You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. Is your pattern working? You've tried it for so long, you've been doing so many things your own way, and maybe now you're kind of confronted with a new reality that you're saying, yes, I'm frustrated with my life, I'm frustrated with this constant routine, I'm frustrated that everything I tried doesn't work, and now God's saying, hey, switch the direction. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Looking forward to kicking off not only a new year, but a new series, and we're going to see what God has for us today. And uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just thought about the series, and I'm just like, man, why are we doing a baseball series? And then I remembered, because none of our Bay Area football teams could do a good enough job to stay in the playoffs, so that's why we're just moving on. We're just boycotting football. They didn't make it, and I know it's a little bit easy uh, to uh, early to jump into baseball season, but the first pregame for the uh, Oakland A's is February 21st. Any a- Oakland A's fans in the house? Oh, there we go. There we go. Represent. Where were you in the first hour? I'm telling you what, there was like Two of you, all right? And everybody else is Giants. So let me see the Giants fans in the house. There we go. Oh, okay. It's kind of split. All right. We just split the church just then. Did you see that? That's how easy it happened right then and there. But we want to welcome you this morning. And yes, we're going to be looking at uh, a home run life and what it takes to have a home run life. For whatever reason, I've always liked baseball better. I've enjoyed it, but I like what it, uh, the analogy. There's so many things that just come from it, just that that's kind of resonate. And that's kind of the big question I want to ask us this morning, is what in your mind does it take to have a home run life? What does that look like? And I think the first one for me, and I don't know if this is the same for you, but it's kind of success. When I think of a home run life, I think of the word success. And I'm just going to write this up here as we're just we're just talking to success. That's, that's one of those words that when it comes to having a home run life, when I think of man just crushing it at life, I think of success. And isn't that kind of how we've been brought up? I mean, think about it. The moment you got into high school, all of a sudden your grades became very important. Getting good grades and scoring well on the SATs. And I mean, that was just super important. You say, why? Good grades meant you got good scholarships. Good scholarships help you get into uh, and pay for a good college. Getting into a good college means that you can get a good career. Getting a good career means you can buy a bigger house than somebody else. Having a bigger house means that you can fill it with more stuff than other people. Having more stuff means that you're successful, right? Well, that's what culture says, right? And yet we've, we've met so many people that, man, they, they, when it comes to the home run life, man, they got success. But here's the thing. When you and I envision or imagined success, or maybe you're sitting here and you are very successful. In the eyes of everybody else, you are a success. You've got the money in the bank. You've got it all made. I mean, you are successful. Whenever you picture success, here's what's funny. You never picture success by yourself. Here's the thing. You always picture success with someone. There's always someone. There's always that person that you want to share your success with. They're, they're, they're for a guy, it's that girl, and, uh, or there's those friends, there's that, that coworker. There's somebody that you want to either talk about your success or share your success. But when it comes to success, you never imagine success by yourself. 
And those people that get success by themselves is kind of hollow. It's kind of empty. It's kind of like, really? I, I made it to the top, but I'm all by myself, and I don't, I don't want to be all by myself. I don't like this being alone when it comes to success. But then we don't just stop with success, because success is not wrapped up in just getting there. And we don't want to get there alone. We want to share our success. But here's the other thing. When we thought about uh, the home run life, we know that being a success was important. We know that with other people, that's important. But you want to know another thing when it comes to this idea of a home run life that we're thinking of? The other part of that is this. We wanted to have self-respect. We wanted to be able to look ourselves in the mirror and like what we see. We wanted to look ourselves in the mirror and know that we got success and we got relationships with somebody and we got it there and we kept our integrity, our self-respect. We, we didn't want to lose that. But that's not the only thing. You know the other thing that we wanted? You see, we didn't just want to make a dollar. We actually want to make a difference. Come on, it's why we buy Tom's shoes. It's why we give to charities. It's why we'll give some of our time. It's because we want to not just make a dollar. We want to make a difference. And we want significance. Everybody wants it. We want significance. These are the things. I'm having to spell it in my mind. So I was homeschooled, all right? So uh, you just bear with me. And it's funny because when it comes to significance, I know I'm probably spelling it wrong. I can spell things just fine, but as soon as I step onto this platform, I can't spell at all. So, you know, if that bugs you, get over it, all right? And uh, it's totally fine, okay? And uh, uh, like I said, I'm homeschooled, and it was just me, so whenever it comes to a school reunion, I just look in the mirror, and I'm like, hey, it's a reunion, you know? That's just how easy it is for reunions. This is 10, 20 years, and it's great. I never have to have the stress and anxiety that you have to go through, because I'm the best one in my class, the most successful in my class, I'm also the most likely to fail as well. So, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword, you know. So if you're bipolar and you're homeschooled, you're screwed. That's all I'm going to say, okay? It just doesn't work, all right? But for me, it's okay, all right? So when it comes to the home run life, these are all the things that, that, are, that make up a home run life, but that's kind of hard to do, isn't it? It's real hard to do. So how do, we, how do we accomplish that? Because when it comes to a home run life, God is trying to develop something in us, and, and God does have a plan for how we get all that. Do you believe this morning that God has a plan to get all of this? Because God does. Because God created all this. God didn't just make you and just said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you on your own. No, God wants you to have success. God wants you to be with someone. God wants you to have self-respect. He wants you to have significance. He created you for a purpose, on purpose. You're not just some uh, random chance. It's just not some accident. God has a plan for you. And we're going to see this. Now, here's what I'd like to do. I want to share two verses, and then we're going to look in the New Testament. And then we're going to, over the next several weeks, we're going to study out a character in the Old Testament. And we're going to build on this, okay? Today is the 30,000 feet flyover, and we're going to look at the home run life. But let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Now, if you have a copy of God's Word, you can open it there. If you don't, in the seat back in front of you is a copy of God's Word. It's a Bible. You can take that. That's our gift to you. You can have that for free. Or you can look up on the screen. We're going to look at Romans 1 and verse 2. Here's what it said in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you. The reason he's saying therefore, the apostle Paul, the guy named Paul who wrote this book, he's saying, hey, there was 11 other chapters before this. In light of all that I've said, let me just sum it up. 
He's saying, hey, all that was good, but let me just pack it into two verses. So you're getting an entire book, a synopsis, and you're getting it all condensed down to two verses. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may, will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Did you catch the first part of verse 2? It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. So if God has a pattern, guess what? The world has a pattern too. You say, what do you mean the world has a pattern? The world does have a pattern, and we're going to see it. We're going to see this pattern played out. But let me just draw this pattern just for a second. Because when it comes to God, you kind of have this idea of this baseball diamond that we can just kind of picture. But when it comes to the world's pattern, here's what I want you to know. The world says, start at home plate and go backwards. It doesn't, say, it doesn't want you to run the bases this way. It doesn't want you to. When it comes to the world's pattern, from your very earliest memory, you were taught to go and get yours. You were taught to succeed at whatever you do to get success. And so that's the world's pattern. The world's pattern is, man, just whatever it takes to get here. Just, just get there as fast as you can. Just, just cheat all of this and go here. The problem is what happens is people chase this and then they violate this and they violate self-respect, meaning they will get success at the expense of their relationships. They will cheat their spouse. They will cheat their children. They will cheat their friends. Why? Because they're just all about success, and I just got to drive. I just got to work hard, and so what happens is you will have, you will meet people that will burn through two or three marriages on their way climbing the corporate ladder. Or they are just, man, it's all about success. I just got to have more cars, more motorcycles, more toys. I just got to have more than the next guy. And I need to ask you a question. Why? You're like, because that's what culture says. And guess what? Culture's wrong. Culture's frustrated. Culture's upset. Culture doesn't even, doesn't even like what they see when they look in the mirror anymore. So we can keep following culture's pattern that says, man, just run the bases backwards. Just do it all backwards. And then what happens is, we realize that success, if we, once we get there, but if we burn this and we burn this, then later in life we try to start fixing it all. Now, what if you could just avoid having to go back and fix the relationship with a broken marriage and fix the relationship with broken, uh, broken relationship with your children? Because you and I know people that they have burned the marriages, they have distanced and alienated themselves from their children, and now all that they want, they would give up all the money in the world if they could just have a, have a normal family get-together. Come on, you just came through the holidays, and some of you were like, man, we had a time. It was crazy. It was nuts. My relatives are just crazy. And uh, you just get around those relatives, and you're like, man, this is just nuts. And some people, they would give up all the success just to have certain people in their life. They would give up all the success just to have self-respect and significance. But why? They traded it all. Why? Just for this. Think of our, our celebrity culture that we live in today. How many celebrities, they got success, but they have nothing else. They have no self-respect. They don't have anybody in their life. I was just reading up this past week on Lance Armstrong, and I was reading up on his life, and here was this, this amazing athlete, just, just gifted, gifted athlete, won the Tour de France several times, and yet now he has to compete and keep competing. He has to have success. He wanted success so bad that he would start doping. And then once people started catching on that he was doping, then they started to confront him. And then he started to intimidate them. He started to sue them. And guess what? These weren't his enemies. These were teammates. 
These were coaches. These were friends. These were people that were close to him. And he started pushing away all those relationships. And in 2013, it finally all came out. Everything came out. And now he's got 100,000, uh, 100 uh, million dollar lawsuits that are all over. His life is just destroyed. Why? Because he said it's all about success. And he cheated people. He cheated self-respect and he doesn't have significance. They stripped him of his titles. They stripped him of his endorsements. They took away everything. Why? Because he put this first. So if that's the world's pattern, then let's just make a decision right now. We don't want that. We, we don't want that. So there's got to be a new pattern. So, so Paul's right when he says, hey, don't conform to the world's pattern. The world's pattern doesn't work. It looks good, but how come if it looks good, now we're stepping back and all of a sudden we're seeing, why is antidepressants on the rise? Why are people having to self-medicate? Why are people uh, committing suicide like more than ever before? Why? Because we're in a culture now that says it's all best success, but people get there and they're like, this is empty. This is hollow. So there's got to be a better way, and there is a better way. You see, God wants to do something special, and we're going to see how he works through a character by the name of Joseph. Joseph, we find him in Genesis chapter 37. We meet this guy. Now, Joseph is the son of Jacob. Jacob is the son of Isaac. Isaac is the son of Abraham. So that's where the line of our faith comes through, Father Abraham, okay? So that's where it starts. So here's the great-grandson of Father Abraham. It is Joseph. Now, Jacob loved Joseph so much. He loved his son. He had 12 sons, but he loves the youngest the most. He loves Joseph. And he gives Joseph, the Bible says, a coat of many colors, which in that culture basically meant that he was special. He was favored. He got a special position. And not only did he have this special coat, but also Joseph has a dream. And in Joseph's dream, God says that Joseph, guess what? All your brothers and sisters and all your family, they're going to bow to you. And Joseph likes his dream so much, he, the next day he gets up and he gathers his family together. He's like, hey, I got to tell you guys about my dream. This is my dream. You all bowed to me. And it's funny, they didn't like it. I don't know why. They just didn't. So if you're having a dream where people are bowing to you, just keep it to yourself. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. They don't want to know. All right? Just keep that one to yourself. But Joseph, being a 17-year-old teenager, he opens his mouth because he thought, I'm my dad's favorite. But then, I'm God's favorite. This is pretty great. And all of a sudden, he's thinking, man, I'm going to be successful. And then God does something in Joseph's life. You say, what does God do? Joseph's brothers, they get, because of their jealousy, they take Joseph and they throw him into a pit. And then they're debating what they're going to do with him. They take his coat. He's down in the pit. They rip the coat. They dip it in blood because they're going to fake Joseph's death. Joseph's in a pit. His life was going well. It was going great. Now he's in a pit. Sometimes you and I will find ourselves in pits that we didn't create. We'll just find ourselves in a mess. And you may be thinking, what is God doing? I'm in this situation, but God, what are you doing? And you need to understand something. God is trying to teach you dependence. You say, what? Yeah, because God wants you to understand something. If you are going to have a home run life, if you are going to experience that home run life, if you're going to have it, it starts with this dependence. You see, here's the thing about dependence. You and I, we're good old Americans, all right? We don't like, we don't like dependence. We like independence. Come on, July 4th, Independence Day. We like our independence. We couldn't wait to get our driver's license. We couldn't wait to get a credit card. We couldn't wait to move out. We couldn't wait to just be on our own. We are independent. We don't like to be told what to do, what to, where to go. We want to be independent. But here's the thing. God wants to teach you and I dependence. 
You see, when we grow up physically, we move from dependence to independence. Any of you have young children, toddlers in the house? Any of you have toddlers? I've got a toddler. And uh, my toddler, he's so cute. He's so funny. I just love him. He's almost two. He's just a small little guy. And I just love him to death. Now, I look at my little two-year-old son, Kane, and I can't imagine him leaving. I can't imagine him going off to college. I can't imagine him leaving and moving out. I just can't. But I've heard from people who have teenagers who say that's why God made teenagers. Because then you can't imagine them ever staying. You're like, please, get out of my house. You smell funny. You do weird things. You think weird. You're emotional. You need to go. You got to go. And so what happened? We, when it comes to growing up physically, are moving from dependence to independence. Now, the opposite is true when we're growing up spiritually. God wants to move us from independence, we could do it all on our own, to dependence on God. So when it starts to, at home base, we have to think this, and I want you to remember something powerful. I'm going to lay this out because it's very simple. Home plate starts about connecting with God. That's what home plate is. Home plate, you say, I want significance, it starts at connecting. You say, I want to have a home run life, you got to start at home. you got to start at home, home plate. That's where everything starts. Home plate. You want the power and passion for your life, you've got to start right at home plate. And that's where you connect with your creator. You see, too often we step back, we think, no, I, I got this. No, we need to understand that this year we won't do it on our own strength. God doesn't want to move us into independence. He wants to move us into dependence. You see, what God did was not only was Joseph in this pit where they took away his coat, so now he no longer has the safety of his father. He no longer has the favor of his father. He no longer has his coat. He's then sold into Egypt as a slave. So he goes from being up here to being down here. And it happens in a day. One day, his whole life gets turned upside down. And many of us, we would be like, God, you must hate Joseph. I thought you just gave him a dream. I thought you just gave him your favor. And now it looks like you hate Joseph. But here's what God is doing. God was stripping Joseph of anything he would rely on to accomplish his dream his way. You see, God has given you a goal. He's given you a plan and a purpose, a dream in your heart. But God gave you that dream not so that you would do it, so that he could do it through you. He wants to use you. He wants you to be dependent on him each and every day. We're going to study John 15, which is the illustration of us being a vine that's rooted in God. And so we need to see that we got to be connected to our creator. Too often we don't connect with him. Today is Sunday. It's the first day of the week. There's a reason we have church on Sunday. We are saying, God, I want to start my week with you. I want to start this thing with you. I want to show that I'm dependent on you. I want to show that this week I want to see you work in my life. And so I'm going to start it right now in church. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sing some songs. I'm going to hear a message because, God, I want to hear from you. We are saying we want to connect with our creator. There's something about it. There's also something to be said about starting our day with God. You want to have a home run life? Then start your day at home plate every morning. Say, you know what, God? Before I start my day, let me just get my mind fixed on you for a second. Let me just thank you for another day. Let me just thank you for my family. Let me just thank you for this opportunity to go to work. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my life. Thank you for the car that you've given me. Thank you for the money that I have or I don't have. Thank you for what you're sending my way. Thank you for what you're doing. If we just start off our day like that, it would change the way we face our day. It would change everything. If we just said, you know what? I'm going to connect with my creator. But then it just doesn't stop at connecting. Here's what's amazing that God starts to do in Joseph's life. God starts building character. You see, the first thing that needs to happen when we get to first base is we need character. 
Because too often we meet people, man, they are good at what they do. They are super good at what they do. But then there are some areas in their life you're like, man, I thought you would have that figured out by now. I mean, you don't pay your bills on time. You don't show up to any meetings on time. I mean, you can't keep a commitment. You can't follow through on anything. I mean, you just let things fall apart in your life. Man, you're really this great personality, but you don't have any character. Like, you don't have foundational. You don't have this, this core thing. We live near the city of San Francisco, and you see all these tall, sky-rise, high-rise buildings. Here's what's amazing about those buildings. Do you realize how deep they go down to build the foundation? I mean, they go super deep to build that foundation, and they go deep. Why? Because it's got to support the structure. What happens is you and I will meet people that they're very successful in their natural ability, but then they will blow up their life. Why? Because they didn't have the character to sustain their success. So if you jump and run the bases backward to success, you haven't formed the character to develop it. We're going to meet Joseph, and Joseph becomes a servant and, and, and a slave. And we meet Joseph in chapter 39 again, and he's, put in the, he's bought by a guy by the name of Potiphar, and he's made the common slave. And he's in Potiphar's house, and he's just an everyday slave. He went from up here to down here. But then we see that Potiphar's wife, she noticed that that slave boy looked pretty good. He's a pretty handsome dude. You know, she had seen those Egyptian fellows, and she liked what she saw in the Hebrews. She was like, those Hebrews, that's, that's what I'm talking about. I don't know if she was on a Hebrew dating website or anything, but there was, there was something. She was into Hebrews for whatever reason. And she sees Joseph, and she's like, mm, you look good. And uh, she said, hey, nobody's around. Uh, you know, let's, let's sleep together. Let's, let's do this. And uh, Joseph's like, no, I can't do that. See, Joseph, he had been promoted to second in command in Potiphar's house. And Joseph says to Potiphar's wife, you know what? Potiphar's put everything in, in my authority, but he hasn't put you. I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to go there. And then he says something powerful, church. He says, otherwise I would sin against God. Did you catch that? He said, if I do this, I'm sinning against God. Like he's coming back to what? Home base. He's saying, no, no, I got to connect with my creator to develop my character. Hey, this is bigger than just me having a good time. Now, here's the thing. This is Potiphar. This is the captain of the king's army. I'm telling you what, Potiphar's wife could have been called Hotifer because I guarantee Potiphar did not marry some ugly person. So this is a big temptation for Joseph. But Joseph said, no, I'm developing my character here. And my character is going to say no because I remember I'm connected to God and I'm depending on God. And so he says no to the temptation. He says no to the temptation. Something happens. You say, what happens? You see, Joseph made a decision that even though he was a slave on the outside, he would not be a slave on the inside. Today in our culture, people are slave to their appetites and their desires. We want something, we go after it. Even if it's good or bad, we just, whatever, we just go for it. We are a slave to things that we should not be a slave to. We have no self-control. We have no discipline. Because why? We are not just a slave on the outside. We're a slave on the inside. But here's the thing. If you are a, a blood-bought Christian here, if you have given your life to Jesus and Jesus is in your heart, you are no longer a slave. <laughs> That's not who you are. That's not your identity. You are free in Christ. And we, we need to stand and walk in that freedom, walk in that liberty. But how many Christians, you're free on the outside, but on the inside, you're still, you're still a slave. 
You still act like you're still a slave to your desires. You're still a slave to temptations. Why? Joseph said, no, 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 I'm gonna learn some self-respect. I'm gonna be able to look myself in the mirror and say, you know what? I can't change my external situations, but my character is strong. My character is solid. And so he won that battle of character. He said, I'm gonna win there. I'm gonna win at first, in first base. I'm gonna win that one. He said, hey, it doesn't matter that I'm a slave. And then because he stood on his character, Potiphar's wife lied to Potiphar and said, hey, this young Jewish boy, he tried to get, get me and, uh, you know, things went down. And so now Joseph finds himself, because he was lied about, finds himself in prison. And this brings him to second base. You see, even though Joseph found himself in prison, here's what's something that amazing that happened. We see that he finds himself in prison. And even though he's in prison, the scripture says something powerful. And I want to read it to you. It's found in Genesis 39. It says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Many of us would say, wait a minute, you're in prison? How does he have success? But Joseph, he won here by connecting to his creator. He was winning character, but then he was winning with community. You say, what do you mean? Here's the problem. A lot of the times when we're going for a home run life, we don't care about community. We don't care about people. We, we, we push people out of our way. They get in our way to our success. We're like, if a spouse is in our way, we push them aside. If children are in our way, we push them aside. If a, a friend is in our way, we push them aside because we won't let anything stand in the way of success. But here's the thing, we need community. Here at Southridge, we do a big deal out of life groups. We, we, we want you to be in a small group. We want you to be connected with other people because we know that you can't do life alone. You shouldn't do life alone. You see, Joseph now valued community. Joseph found himself in prison. You say, well, well, how did he learn to value people? Because Joseph used to be the one who was served. He used to be the one that people would bring him food. He used to be the one that people would wash and iron his clothes. He used to be the pe one that people would do for him. Now we find Joseph, and this is the posture that we find Joseph in. He's the one that's got to do for others. He is now the servant. And just imagine in Joseph's life, how many times he looked down on his father's servants and he just looked at them like, man, just a servant. Can't believe you. My goodness, don't you have any bigger aspirations? And there was Joseph. He was the one scrubbing the floors. He was the one doing the dirty job. He was the one while people would walk by, they would spit at him and look at him. That was Joseph. But here's the thing. It was while Joseph was down here that Joseph learned to appreciate other people. It's when you find yourself in a situation and you find yourself where you got demoted, you got put down, and you are now at a lower position. It's now that you begin to value the people that are down here. Now you see what they go through. Now you see what they experience. Now you see the life that they go through. What happens too often is if we never are made a servant and we don't care about people, we will always abuse people that we, and use people that we don't care about. You see, God would not let Joseph succeed until he had learned to care about even the slaves. You see, God will not let you succeed until you learn to care about your spouse, until you learn to care about those people closest to you. Because God will not give you this success until you get community right. 
And I'm tired of being in the Silicon Valley where I see over and over again people blow off their families on their way to success. And then when they hit 40 and 50s, now they're trying to get their family back. How about you just keep your family in the beginning? Because at the end of the day, nobody's sitting on their deathbed just thinking, man, if I would have made one more business meeting, man, if I just would have made a couple more thousand dollars, man, if I just would have worked a little bit more overtime. No, no, what are they saying on their deathbed? Man, if I just had one more time to be with my daughter, if I just had one more moment to spend with my wife, one more moment to spend with my husband, one more moment to spend with my son and my grandchildren, they would give anything to be with those people. At the end of your life, it's the people around you that truly matter. So you take a good look around you. You take a good look and say, you know what? This person means more than a million dollars. This person means more than that pay raise. This person means more than that promotion. Because at the end of my life, when push comes to shove, I would give anything for this person. And there'll be times when you do not feel like it. There'll be times when you'll be so frustrated with that person. But just remember, put clarity in your mind and think, man, when I'm 40 and 50 and 60, that's what I'm going to want. I'm going to want people around me. I'm not going to want this so much as I'm going to want this. This one always trumps success. People will always trump your success. And you will meet people that they will look back on their life and they will tell you this. You can talk to anybody that's in their senior later years or twilight years. They will tell you, value the people around you. Give those hugs, give those handshakes, give those squeeze, give that time to those people. Our own worship pastor, last Sunday, he led worship powerfully here. And then he gets a phone call finding out that his father passed away that afternoon. He didn't know that that Christmas would be the last Christmas with his father. Monday, I get a phone call from a good friend of mine who was in my wedding. And he calls me and he said, uh, hey, my dad just passed away last night. The doctors, he, they said he, he wasn't doing so good and they couldn't, they, they, he, his pulse stopped and they revived him. They brought him back, but, but then they couldn't, they couldn't keep him on life support. They couldn't keep him on life. He says, he's gone. I didn't know that was my last Christmas. I didn't know that would be the last time. You see, you and I, we just think we always have another day. We just think we have more time to be with those people. So when you get a prompting to say kind thing to somebody, you say it. When you get a prompting to go spend time with somebody, you go do it. Because at the end of your life, community is everything. You will trade everything else if you have community. Because that's what you really most desire is friendship and relationship with people. So you get this base right. You get second base right. You fix those areas in your life. And you say, you know what? If there's somebody I need to apologize to, let me apologize because there's gonna be a day where I'm gonna want that more than anything else. Because it's all about relationship. That's second base. And guess what? Here's the thing. It doesn't just stop at second base. God wants more for you. Then we see competence. You see, I know this is super easy. I laid it out so easy because I want you to get this. I want this so deep inside of your heart and soul because when it comes to success, we want you to get it. But it starts with connecting with our creator. You need to have the character to sustain it. Then you've got to have people in your life, community. You need that. But then you've got to have the competence to do the job. God doesn't just want to give you success. No, there, got, there has to be some competence here. But notice, God has been forming Joseph's character. You say, how has he been forming his character? Joseph started off in Potiphar's house. Potiphar, he was over all the military in that day. So Joseph is going to become the prime minister of all of Egypt. So he was going to need to know about the military. But God put him in a house for years where he learned military tactics. Then God throws him in prison. We think that's the worst thing that ever happened. But God's like, no, you're in a political prison. This is where all the political people are. So you're going to need to learn business and politics here. And so he's around all those. And he made those relationships. And those relationships, they taught him something. So now when it comes time, he's got to meet with Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, hey, I've had this dream. I don't know how to... I don't know how to interpret it. And then somebody says, hey, there's this guy in the prison. 
This guy, why? Because Joseph won with relationships. If you're a jerk, you're never going to have anybody referring you for anything. You're not. You're not. You ever had somebody that was just a total jerk to you, and then they, they, they come after and they're like, hey, uh, you mind giving me a good referral? You're like, what? No. No. Uh-uh. No. You see, here's the thing. Joseph said, you know what? I don't know who that person may be. Everybody that Joseph interacted with the prison were prisoners, but yet he still treated them with dignity and respect. Isn't that lost today in our culture? I'm not political, and I don't mean to get political, but you don't get sworn into office and then say, F the president. You just, that, that's just, you don't do that. I don't care what your politics are. I don't care. I don't care what your Democrat, Republican, independent, I don't care. But what we've lost We've lost the self-respect. I, I think that person could have done some great things, but immediately I'm just kind of like, really? Do we need to go there? I, I don't respect everything that our political officers do either. But guess what? We don't need to just say, hey, you know what? Just do that. No, 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 no. We say, you know what? Guess what? I'm going to follow. I'm going to stay connected. I'm going to keep my character. I'm going to keep my community, but I'm going to keep my competence. I'm going to do my job well. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it the right way. But here's what's so powerful about Joseph. Here's what's so powerful. Joseph gets brought to Pharaoh because he treated people well. Learned to treat people well. Just basic people. The people at Starbucks. Like, this is practical. You came to a really practical church. Stop being a jerk to the barista. All right? Just start there. Just start there. All right? Some of y'all, that's where you need to start. And tomorrow on your commute, I know it's going to be hard, but take a little post-it note, put it on the horn, and say, do not touch. Just, just do that on your commute. I know you got an hour and a half commute and you're like, man, I live on that horn. Man, I just foot down on that horn, man. No, I tape that horn down, baby. It's just the whole way. I just go. I just go. I know. I just, how about you not? How about you not? How about you just say, man, ever since Jane and I, we planted the church, uh, we changed the way we tip, y'all. We, we changed. I was like, you know, I'm going to minister in this community for a long time. So we have to be good tippers. Because I was like, one Sunday, they may come to our church. And I don't want them to be like, man, you gave me the crappiest tip I ever had. I ain't going to this church. And now you want me to pass, you're going to pass an offering bucket? Oh, I'll give you what you gave me. Nothing. Nothing. You know? So I remember, I was like, hey, we got we to gotta, we gotta learn. We got to step it up in this tipping thing. She's like, but the service is bad. I know. I know. We won't eat here again. Tip them well. Tip them well. And invite them to church. And they know. They feel bad. They know things happen. You see what happens in our society? We can be real jerks to each other, can't we? And I don't mean to be so crass and vulgar at church. If you're not used to this church, I do apologize. The real pastor will come back later, I'm sure. And uh, <laughs> I'm just the, the intern. And uh, so when it comes to community, we can win at this. Here's what's so amazing. When it came to being a good Christian, you think it's rocket science. It's really not. It's really not. It starts your day with God. It's growing character. It's have community and competence. And then so Joseph, we're wrapping up. We're landing this plane. So all of a sudden, Joseph is brought before Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh says to Joseph, I've heard you can interpret dreams. And I want to read this for you because it's so powerful what Joseph says in chapter 41. He says this. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Notice what Joseph says. I cannot do it. What? What? Joseph! What are you doing, man? Buddy, Joseph, come here over here. Come here, Joseph. No, 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 I got to talk to you, man. Uh, uh, you want to get out of jail, right? You just say yes. Like, just say yes. I mean, when your boss comes to you, you fake it till you make it, right? Come on, this is basic. But Joseph had what? What did he have, church? 
<laughs> he was standing on his character. He was like, no, no, no. At the end of the day, I'm not going to lie about this. I can't do it. But then notice what the verse does. He says, I can't, <laughs> but God will. Ooh. Where did Joseph go back to? This. What if you said that to your boss? Your boss is like, hey, I, I need to launch a new division. I, I need to launch a new team. I need to do this. I, I need to, we need to expand. We need to do this. And you say, hey, boss, look, I love your vision. I love your dream. I don't know if I can do it, but I know God can through me do it. Your boss will be like, whoa, you're humble. That's the kind of leader I want. Somebody that's not full of themselves. There's enough people that are full of themselves. I want a humble leader. I want a leader that others can respect and look at. Because guess what? That humility at home wins at home. When we are humble husbands, humble wives, when we are humble, you say, those are my children. I need to be humble to them. You'd be amazed at how you just being humble to your own children will change the relationship. Change the relationship with people around you. I'm talking about real winning here. This is the real home run life. It's not something super complex or complicated. This is so basic. I feel like I'm insulting your intelligence because it's connecting with your creator. It's developing godly character. It's having community and it's having this competence. And here's the thing. Life starts at home plate, but then you round the bases and it ends at home plate. Nothing you do doesn't end with God. You see, that's the home run life. It's repeating so you and I have a decision to make this morning. Here's the decision. Will I run these bases backwards? Will I run them backwards? That's the decision, really. You now know what the home run life is. You, you all can do this, every one of us. We all can be a success. We all can have the home run life we've always wanted. All of it. But the decision is this. Tomorrow, you're going to be tempted to go after this first thing. Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and your alarm's not going to go off on time. Kids are going to be late for the bus. Oh, we don't have the bus anymore. They're going to be late for their Uber, Lime scooter, whatever you send them to school on. And all of a sudden, you're going to be tempted to like, God, I don't have time for you right now. But if you just pause everything and say, no, no, no. No, no, I'm not just jumping to success. I'm not just jumping to that. I'm, I'm going the other way. Many of you have heard of Ted Turner, started CNN. For the longest time, he was a devout, devout atheist. At his 75th birthday, he was being interviewed. And he said, I had it wrong. He said, I pray now because I'm scared of hell. He's 75. He chased the bases backwards. Multiple marriages. Multiple marriages. You can go do a, a Wikipedia on the guy. But he said, now at the end of my life, are you going to be the person that waits till they're 80 to finally course correct? And then leave a string of broken relationships and people that no longer trust you, people that no longer want to be around you. Or you could say, you know what? God's plan seemed a whole lot better. A whole lot better. It took Joseph 22 years before he became prime minister. And then Joseph's siblings, by providence of God, are brought to Egypt because they're starving in Israel. And so they need food. So they come to Egypt, which Egypt is the only place that has food. And there is Joseph. They don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognizes brothers. And immediately, it would be real easy for Joseph to be like, off with their heads. They're dead. They're gone. No grain for you. But Joseph doesn't do that. Joseph says something powerful. He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. He sums up the home run life. It all starts and ends with God. Let's all close. Can we stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? You have a decision to make this morning. Do you want the home run life? Or you want to keep following your own pattern? And my question is, is your pattern working? 
Is your pattern working? You've tried it for so long, you've been doing so many things your own way, and maybe now you're kind of confronted with a new reality that you're saying, yes, I'm frustrated with my life, I'm frustrated with this constant routine, I'm frustrated that everything I try doesn't work, and now God's saying, hey, switch the direction. That's what God's asking. He's saying this morning, run the bases the right way. Go to first base, not third base. Run the bases correctly. Start at home plate saying, God, I need to connect with you. God, I'm, I'm failing everywhere because I'm not connecting with you. And I know what happens, church. When things are bad, we connect with God. And as soon as things are good, we disconnect from God. Because we're like, oh, I got it now. What if you and I just said, I'm gonna stay connected with God this entire year? You started the first day of the year, pat yourself on the back, congratulations, yourself. You started in church. Now, every Sunday, you got 51 more days out of this year. Can you give God 51 more Sundays? That's the question. Last Sunday was my day off. I went to go be at my dad's church and go hear my dad preach. He just had a surgery and he was like, hey, I just had surgery, so you're gonna preach. I was like, it's my day off. I get one day, come on. But it was great, it was great. Got to be there with my dad. Can you do it? Can you say, you know what, I'm gonna start my week with God. And then can you say in the morning, God, I can give you 15 minutes. What about giving God 30 before 7.30? What if you just did that? Say, God, I'm gonna give you 30 before 7.30. Sometime between now and 7.30, I'm gonna give you 30. That'll change your life. It'll change your life this year. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the power of your word. Lord, I look forward to the next several weeks as we dive into something so practical but so powerful that it has the power to transform the way we think because that's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 is all about. That the renewing of our mind, that we don't conform to the world's pattern, but we find a new pattern. And the new pattern is the home run life, that we connect with you. And this morning, we're connected with you. Everybody here is with hearts united saying we're connected to God. And the next step is to grow in godly character. Help us, God, to steward our character. We're gonna be faced with situations to compromise, but I pray that we would have a firm character. I'm tired of seeing people crash their life because of a lack of character. And Lord, help us to grow in community to grow closer to the relationships around us. And Father, help us not to stop there, but have the competence. But that competence always relies on our Creator, that you're the one giving us the power. You're gonna give us the strength. Lord, when we get the promotion, and we will get the promotion, we're gonna give you the glory. God, when we do well, we're gonna praise you. And God, when we fail, we're gonna praise you. Lord, we're gonna give you the glory this year. And this year, we're gonna see a different kind of success that we've never experienced, because this is the home run life. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.